Good evening, church. Come on, tonight is July 17th. I cannot believe that. 2019. And our topic this evening is on the method. Say the method. The method. The method to your mission. In fact, that's the title of this message. The method to your mission. Not a method to the madness, but a perfect power-packed purpose. Come on. Tonight, we want to seize the tools God has put in front of us for our victory. Naturally, let's turn to the heart of the matter and the law. Open up your Bibles to Deuteronomy 32 and find verse 45 and say there. Wow, that was fast. There. When Moses finished reciting all these words to all Israel, he said to them, Take heart, all the words I have solemnly declared to you this day, so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of this law. They are not idle words for you. They are your life. By them, you will live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. We're highlighting this passage tonight because it clearly states our path. All the words that the Lord has given us are our bread, the very substance of our life. Everyone say bread. 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 The bread that the Father gives you from heaven is your very life. So... The Lord gives you bread, which is your life. Yes. Amen. Amen. Man, you have to eat to live, don't you? The Word of God compares itself to bread, compares Jesus to bread, because it is a necessity to continue to live. And this passage lays out how we must follow it, because it is our life. It's not one way to live. It is our life. Amen. As we go to Exodus 15, verse 13. We're going to read about how God leads us on that path, about how he pulls us along upon what is good for us and what is our life. Say there when you're there. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. Man, in worship, you can hear that the Lord wants to grant us victory. That some of us are on the edge of seeing supernatural things happen. That we've been praying for, waiting for, fighting for. And our enemies are going to quake when they see our God leading us. Tonight, He wants to lead us. In unfailing love, He wants to lead you, LCM. He loves you. He wants to help you. He wants you to have the bread that you need to live and be strong. A faithful God with faithful followers, people who are reflecting his faithfulness. Man, that is something that the nations are going to quake at. Man, church, we're so excited tonight because we can feel how the Lord wants to help us win tonight. I mean, we can feel it as we're worshiping. The, the, the words that are coming forth, one of the words talking about how we are supposed to be being deliberate. Deliberate with everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we're focused on. How we live our lives is supposed to be in a deliberate kind of way. And we're supposed to be breaking walls of question 
in our lives. That is because God is trying to help us win in his own special way. Are you guys being, are you able to see that? Are you able to hear it and apply it to your own life? The Lord wants to help us win tonight. He wants to see us victorious tonight. And he's saying, look, if there's something that you're depending on that is not of my kingdom, then throw it away. If you're having a question about my character, my dependability, then throw it away tonight. Don't stand on it anymore. I am a faithful God and I do no wrong to you. Can I get an amen? Come on, let's move down to verse 25 in the same chapter, everybody. This is so amazing. Verse 25 of Exodus 15. Then Moses cried out to the Lord. You know, he's in the same situation that I believe that the Lord was prophesying to us about while we're worshiping. He's in a situation where he's desperate. But what does he do? He lays down everything and he cries out to the Lord. There's people around him, some that love the Lord, some that don't. They're whining, they're complaining, they're blaming situations on him. And he just says, look, I got to get on my face and get myself right. I got to cry out to the Lord. The Lord showed him. Somebody say showed him. Showed him. The Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water and the water became sweet. This, This is that portion where we're talking about water. Water is the watering of the spirit that your soul must have. Come on. So in this first passage, what did we have? We had the word. We had the bread. In this passage, we have water and the watering of the spirit. That is a requirement for us. Keep reading the next two verses. There the Lord made a decree and a law for them, and there he tested them. He said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Look, there is your answer. The Lord says, look, if you pay attention to my commands, look, if you keep my degrees, look, if you stay in my presence, then you have nothing to worry about. Isn't that amazing? Like if you focus on these things, you don't have to worry about anything that's coming down the pike in your future. You don't have to worry about any situation. The Lord says, I'm going to take care of it for you. Look, we have the bread. We have the consumption of his law. This leads to a pattern. Verse 27, then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. This is amazing, because the only way for us to get to an outward kind of focus is to be solid in the bread, to be solid in the word of God, and to be solid in the water, solid in his presence. That's the only way that we can begin to have an outward kind of focus that we need. This pattern can't be completed alone. We have to have an outward focus and we must be together to do it. Somebody say amen. Amen. That is such an amazing passage. We see how God is restoring the Israelites, how he's healing them. And we need bread and we need water. Say bread and water for me. Bread and water. Tonight's sermon is about the method for our mission. This passage in verse 27 is the format for the one association. It's what birthed it. It was what inspired the idea and it is the method that has brought us all here to this place. And it's amazing. It can't be completed alone. It requires multiple springs, multiple palm trees in this room. We must adhere to a method that is going to feed nations. 
Let's turn to Matthew 13 and find verse 52. Say there when you're there. He said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. Church, do you love your pastors? Yes. Do you really love your pastors? I do. Week after week, time after time, they are bringing forth treasures and they are filling up our storerooms. These beautiful treasures are forming basic elements, bread and water. And what these words and these revelations do is they're unifying us. They're giving us one mind. And honestly, what they produce in me is an aggression, a tenacity, and a confidence that is unbreakable. Amen. Absolutely unbreakable. And the aggression isn't standalone. It's in unity with you, which makes me even more unbreakable. Do you want treasure tonight? Yeah. Our aim in sharing with you is to bring out some of these old treasures as well as some new. Let's go to our first old treasure, shall we? Come on. First Samuel chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 6. Somebody say there when you're there. Man, you're fast, Abimbola. I love that zeal, brother. Come on. Who's there? Who's there? Who's there? Yes, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost, outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I'm with you heart and soul. Amen. Jonathan said, come then, we will cross over. Come on, that's, that sounds like... Unity and aggression to me. They're, yeah, they're willing to go me. after it at all costs. We're going to cross over toward the men and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign. Do you guys remember that word? That is the Old Testament word for banner. That's going to be our banner that the Lord has given them into our hands that is just an incredible revelation that we heard about. Yeah. That the sign is that hundreds want to fight with the two of them, and that's the Lord. That's how they'll know that God's in it. Yeah. Goodness. I want that kind of faith exuding out of me yeah. and the brothers that I'm fighting with. I want the kind of faith that says, look, if we are outnumbered beyond all get out, we know it's God. Let's yeah. go after it. Yeah. Come on, guys. Yeah. Who wants that? I want that kind of attitude. Man, this kind of supernatural courage flows directly from being in covenant with others, heart and soul. That's how you get there. If you're not quite there yet, if you're on the path, but you know that you're not exactly where Jonathan and his armor bearer are, then it's time to get more unified with your brothers. It's time to sacrifice more for your brothers. It's time to pick a fight with the enemy and do it with unity of your brothers. That's how you get there. And the Lord will make it happen. Look, our pastor's family method is that they only fight in teams. They see confirmation in their covenant partners and they are not lone rangers. And if it's nope. their method, guess what? 
It's our method too. And if it's our method, guess what? It's becoming your method as well. Amen. Look, there's unity between Jonathan and his armor bearer. And the product of that unity was aggression for the direction of God. We are emboldened by the Lord and each other, and that is our method. Amen. See, both of these men had a foundation that was the bread and the water. They knew what it was that God had commanded them to do. They had a job. They had a family banner. They had a function. Their job was to kill Philistines. Their job was to raise up this house of God on earth. And they were emboldened by each other as they walked in the Spirit. Could we use a little of that with each other in this room? Yeah. Yeah. See, sometimes we are Jonathan. And other times we are the armor bearer. But pride, arrogance has nothing to do with it. These men knew what they were called to do and they didn't care how it happened. They cared that they won. Do you want to win? See, I want to win. I don't want to look pretty or be concerned about how we got there. I want Chris and the kids that are with him to win. I want Tom and Martha to win. I want Andrew Tisdale to win. Because we have a God-ordained calling and we have one family banner that we are standing under. See, when Peter and John were preaching, the Bible says that they said, but only one voice was recorded. And we don't even know which one was speaking. In Acts 16, Paul had a vision, but every man concluded that God had called them. See, when we are in unity, because we are filled with that bread of God, filled with that spirit of God, it gives us a holy aggression. Our family method, with no wiggle room, no divergence, no glory. We work in unity with those encamped at the same standard. See, this this is how we operate. This is our method. We have the security of knowing that God is enthroned upon us corporately as we stand in our assigned place for battle. See, we have to think about what this means. We have a security with each other because we are operating in unity. You can have a security by operating in unity with your pastors, with the men on your left and right. And the only way that we have godly unity, partnerships that are formed from heaven, birthed out of glory, is that the word of God is constantly being consumed because it is your life. And the Spirit of God is making your water sweet, never bitter and offended. See, God will bless a holy unity like that. We know that our brother is not for himself. He is for the Lord and for us. And I get an amen for that. This method is a force multiplier. Our method is a lever from which we can move the very gates of hell. And it's devilish hinges. See, we don't have the strength to do it by ourselves. But when we begin to get together... With the word, the spirit, and a Holy Ghost aggression, we can lift things that we could not lift on our own. We can see the heavens move, see healings, see the spirit break out in people's lives that have been in bondage. How many men of God have known that that they were dynamic in their own right, but never managed to embrace this method? See, I've seen so many preachers. I'm a preacher's kid. I've traveled around. I've seen a lot of people who were filled with fire, who could teach who knew how to preach like an angel, who dressed very, very pretty and could speak with an elegance that was more like a politician. And they had genuine born-again experiences. But they were always bound to what their own self could produce. See, our own right arms are not what we need. We're in something bigger than that. We're going beyond that. See, I need Paul. I need Mario. I need Paul when we're working on concrete floors at 5 in the morning. But I also need Paul in my own daily life as I'm raising righteous children and watching him do the same. We are producing something that is powerful, and we're going to embrace this method together. Come on, we are talking about a family banner 
that is for the generations. Yeah. How powerful is that? For the generations, from generation to generation, this is what we're building. Not some flimsy, easy-to-break, Chinese-made toy. This is a powerful, aggressive, unbreakable family banner that we are building in this church. We're not building a banner that dies with you or with me. A family banner that sons rise under. Come on. Come on. I'm having a son, y'all. Yeah. I got to build a family banner. A family banner that he can rise under and go further than me. Promises about to break out. (laughs) We should build a family banner that withstands the forces of hell until until the return of Christ. When seeking eternal results, you must embrace eternal methods. Yes. No more junk food. No more crap that the world tries to sell you. These are eternal methods. And we have to take hold of them tonight. So we build that family banner that's unbreakable so our sons can rise up underneath it. Amen. Look, unity between us and aggression as we carry out what we know the Lord's will is together, shoulder to shoulder, it's something. And it's something that we know that we can pass on to the next generation. It's something not just that they might need. It's something that they absolutely need to carry this banner on into their life and beyond. We need unity between us. We need the aggression that comes with a confidence of standing next to your brother and just going after it. We need that together. Amen. Turn to Psalm 16. We're going to talk about another old treasure. When you get there, land on verse 5 and say, Pastor Wade. Let it begin. Come on, Lord, you have assigned me my portion in my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Look, God has assigned us. God has assigned you to this church to be your portion, your cup, your field to work diligently. Look, there's some of us that are assigned to be here for the long haul. Amen. Other others of us are assigned to be here for a portion of time until it's time to be assigned somewhere else. But that doesn't matter because all of us sitting in this room right now are assigned to this place right now. So everything that Pastor Wade is um, magnifying in his life, in his family and trying to um, uh, allow us to see it and to walk through it, everything that he's proclaiming with his life and with his words, that's something that we can take a hold of because we're in the exact same spot that he is. That's something that we can build on, church. That's something that we can help to take farther. This is glorious. Whether you are Barnabas, that's the guy that's helping propel, equip, excite, or whether you're Paul, John Mark, so many others, the ones who are being excited, equipped, ready to go out and do the same somewhere else, it doesn't matter. Our boundary lines right now have fallen in very pleasant places. Amen. You know, one of us in the scripture, our pastors are sons of encouragement, sons of prophecy, and they make men who are despondent, fools even, into powerful men of God. It's what they do. 
and there are other men in this room that are called to be Barnabases in this room, that you're going to set the precedent for LCM in the years to come. These young men that are coming up, other people that are coming in, that you're going to help them become who they are supposed to be and propel them on their mission. See, many of us have laid down our life for somebody at some point in time, whether it was your children, it was somebody that you were working to disciple. I've had a chance to work with Rick occasionally, and it reminds me of some of those early days when he was dragging Justin around like a little knucklehead that, you know, he's a lot like this one. He didn't know what he was going to do with his life, what's going on, and he turned him into a man who knew how to lead a family and work. He acted like a Barnabas. See, but... All too often, we make that a one-time event in our life. It's time that we begin to look at each other's vision with the intent of dying for it. That's how the kingdom goes around. It's not by fighting for your own vision. It's not about your own success. We must learn to look at the men and women that are on our left and on our right and view their vision as more important than our own, that it must be accomplished. Who do you need to complete the task that you're called to? Who needs you? God operates in a kind of plural unity. It's not possible for us to be following his spirit without being in plural unity. In Judges 1.3, I'm going to read this one to you. Then the men of Judah said to the Simeonites, their brothers, come up with us into the territory allotted to us to fight against the Canaanites. We in turn will go with you into yours. So the Simeonites went with them. Come on now. We know that our brothers have our best interest in mind. We don't have to worry. We don't have to wonder whether or not they're going to come help us in our war. It's time that we grab each other by the shoulder. And we say, hey, you want to go pick a fight up there? Hey, I got, a, I got some land here that I'm trying, to, I'm trying to drive out the enemy. I could use some help. Will you help me in this area? Hey, brother, I've been working on this project, but it's wearing me thin. I could use a little help tonight. Yeah. We must learn to encourage that unity and aggression that Amen. is based upon the testimony of the word and the spirit. See, we're a family, and we have things that we want to get to. But we also want to hear what the Spirit of God is saying tonight. In worship, did you guys notice how Pastor Matt, Pastor Wade, they paused, they waited, they paused, they waited. We maybe even had three almost half landings. We were waiting for somebody to have the courage to prophesy, for somebody to have the courage to stand up. Praise God for bold women like Sam, who don't mind from the stage behind the microphone when they're supposed to be singing prophesy. But I think we can do better as men of LCM. Do you think you can be DCD men? Yes. Are you men of LCM? Yes. Then how about we care about each other's needs more than our own? How we might look if we got it wrong and say, no, I don't want my brothers to miss out if they were called to hear something. I'm not willing to let it go. I got a Holy Ghost aggression in this room. The word of God is testifying to it. The spirit of God is moving. I'm going to stand up and do what is right. Why? Because I'm in unity. I have his word and his spirit and it makes me strong and aggressive in this room. I want to see some Holy Ghost fire breathing preachers out of here that are chomping at the bit for the opportunity to speak. Not waiting for a woman to stand up and do what you should have done. We're going to go grab Simeon tonight. Judah's going to stand up and do what he's called to do. Why? Because we are a family that is united and empowered to be aggressive. Can somebody say community? Community. Common unity. That was a good word from Pastor Matt. That is us. Come on. Everyone knows that it is godly to put your brothers before yourself. Yeah. Does anyone disagree with me? Please be bold enough to raise your hand now. 
I'm serious. Because we know that it's right, but we choose to put ourselves before our brothers constantly. We have to overcome that so that in common unity, everyone's functioning under that righteous method. But if only 50% of the people do it, it is not common unity. There is a divide. We look more like a yin-yang. We have to be all light. All light. So as we move through this, I want you to realize that this method is not just unique to our pastors. The Lord's also shared with us scriptures about our method. Can we share that with you guys tonight? Yeah. Let's go to Zechariah 4. All right, let's go to verse 2. He asked me, what do you see? And I answered, I see a, gold, a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lights on it with seven channels to the lights. Also, there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. Go to verse 10. Who despises the day of small things? Men will rejoice when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These are the seven eyes of the Lord, which range throughout the earth. Then I asked the angel, what are these two olive trees on the right and the left of the lampstand? I asked him, what are these two olive branches beside the two gold pipes that pour out golden oil? He replied, do, do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I said. So he said, these are the two who are anointed to serve the Lord of all the earth. So, what the Lord showed us in this is Judah and Nick are the two olive trees. And my function and role is as a lampstand. The lampstand was seven lamps. And for those who don't know, there's been multiple words about a, a seven-faceted calling, a seven-faceted function. And I'm, I'm working to find those things out. But Judah and, the, Judah and Nick are anointed and they bring the oil. And I burn continually. But I have to tell you, proximity to these men of God is everything. I can get fired up. I can be very calm. But I'm constant. I'm persistent. But whenever I get hot. When I, get, uh, when I cut a little loose. I can, I can lose myself. Proximity to these men. Make sure that I function in all godliness. Because if I'm just burning alone, I have no purpose. I have no function. I, there is no forward motion without my brothers standing next to me. Look, we've got two more examples from our own lives. Uh, in these other two examples, as well as the one that Peyton just shared, spoiler alert, what we're getting at here is that for a method to actually work, you have to be living in community. You have to be living in common unity with the people yeah, around true. you. There's no other way that a method's going to work. You can get a method that you hear from heaven and it sounds amazing. And I guarantee that when you're standing there and you really dig into it, you're going to figure out, wow, I have to be living in common unity with my brothers for this to actually work. Yeah. That is God's method. Look, we also got a vision. 
a vision about an anvil, a hammer, and a forge working together to produce complete disciples and churches. These three aspects working together to produce the best of all three that's put in a disciple. He gets the best of all three of us. Guess what? Proximity is also required. We have to be working together in a common unity to make the disciples that the Lord wants. Imagine this. Imagine you have a forge burning. You have uh, a hammer, but there's no anvil. What happens? How did you guess it? You're kind of swinging that hammer around, trying to make some piece that is valid for something, but there's, there's nothing. There's nothing to, to compare it with. There's nothing to hit it with. What if you have the forge and you have the anvil but no hammer? Well, then you're just putting this piece of raw steel and you're using your hands to strike it against the for, to, or to strike it against the anvil. That doesn't work. You can't make a complete disciple that way. What if there's no fire? Well, you're just hitting something on something else and it's not being formed at all. You have to have all three. And the point here is that proximity is absolutely required. You guys get that? Let's turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 42. This is our third example. Look, when you look at the three of us, we are so unique. There's no lie to it. I mean, we, honestly, we couldn't be, mu- we couldn't be much different. Um, the, the three of us are so different. But the way that the Lord has ordained it and the way that he'll do it in your life is he's not going to pe- put you together with people that you're completely comfortable with that um, you necessarily find it easy to just hang out and chill out. That's not what the Lord is getting at here. He's looking at giving you other people in your life that challenge you. He's looking at giving you other people in your life that press you, that uh, help you, spur you on, give you direction, and you to them. This is not something that's just comfortable and we're sitting around and great, now we're together. Great, now we're living in the same house and it's fun to to just hang out and kick it with each other. There's a purpose to God's method and it's to complete the task. That's why we're here. And so he's going to give you men and other families to help you complete this task. Remember that. Remember that when you're thinking about this because it's not just going to be something comfortable. You know, we gravitate toward comfortability. It's it's something that's nasty that's in us. We gravitate toward it. Forget all that. Gravitate toward the challenging thing. Gravitate to the challenging man, the one that pushes you and spurs you forward into what you're called to do. That's where you're called to. If you've got a question about that, then evaluate it that way. Who's in Acts chapter 2? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Somebody say together. Together. They broke bread in their homes and ate together. Somebody say together. Together. With glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's all about proximity. 
It's all about being together with who the Lord is drawing you to. And corporately as a body. It's all about being with one another. It's the only way that the Lord works. From these scriptures and visions, we have come to the conclusion that we are to look toward His throne and toward each other, the three of us, living in community with all of us, all of us in this room, in order to determine God's direction and right order in carrying out our family banners. Does that sound familiar? It should, because that's what our pastors have been preaching about for two weeks now. We, we prayed, we asked the Lord, and the Lord gave us the exact thing. Because the important part here, this is not a new revelation. God's method has been God's method since the very beginning, and we hope to show that to you. Come on now, it's 35 minutes into a Wednesday night. Some of you are hearing this and you're thinking, oh no, they want me to go move in with somebody. Oh no, I have to find a ministry partner tomorrow, otherwise I can't do anything. No, what we're telling you is that you need to eat the bread of the Word of God. That you need to be filled with the Spirit tonight. And that that in you should birth a common unity with the people on your left and right. See, in plain speech, we had no idea that we were called to do work together. We just worked together. Because we had the word, we had the spirit, and we wanted a supernatural aggression about seeing the kingdom of God advanced. And the Lord made that clear. See, I work in unity with them, and it's not because we live together. It's because we were working together through the word, through the spirit. Daniel and I work together and submit decisions to each other because we are in a part of a business. We have some kind of reason that could become an excuse. I want to tell you, though, personally... I have no attachment to Justin Treister. I don't live with him. I don't share in a bank account with him. I don't own a business with him. But I go sit next to Justin and I ask him before I make decisions. I talk through it with him. ask him to partner with... Why? Because our lives are devoted to the Word and the Spirit. And we have a common unity that produces an aggression. See, in this room, you don't have to be called to ministry. You don't have to live with somebody to partner with someone on your left and right. My brother was saying... Pick the guy who pushes you. Who in this room causes you to spur on towards righteousness and is not comfortable with the same faults you have, so you hide together? Who in this room spurs you on like sandpaper? How about you learn to grow up together in an aggressive unity? See, I need Brother Assad back there. I need Caleb. I need every man in this room. And we have got to learn to put away excuses. The method that we need is right in front of us. We need to devote ourselves to the Word. I've noticed that everybody says they're busy. Whether they work 90 hours that week or they work 30 hours that week. Everybody says that they're busy. If the Word is your life, it doesn't matter how busy you are. The Word is your life. If without the Spirit, your waters are mara and bitter, then it's a non-optional. You have to drink water. You have to drink of the Spirit like you're drinking water during the day. And that's what will make you sweet before the King of Kings. In this room, begin to think about how you can learn to put away the Lone Ranger mentality and bond yourselves with men and women in this room that are godly, maybe even more godly than you. Maybe even it's a little difficult to stand next to them. And watch a Holy Ghost aggression come out because you're filled with the Spirit, and He is blessing what you are doing. As we continue to talk, we want to share some personal things with you, just like uh, Zachariah and the anvil and the hammer. 
But I want you to think in your own life, how is God testifying to you that you must be knit tightly? See, we spoke about how we had no idea that we were called to work together. We just started. And we really haven't had any of these revelations that we just shared with you for very long about ministry partnership, about the way that it should work. But there were some years where we were all focused on what the Lord had told us to do up to a specific point. And there were some basic fundamentals that marked each of our lives that led us to that point. Come on, listen to this. You will find great hope in this. When we didn't have a ministry team, this is what we did. We prayed fervently. We read the word diligently. We fellowshiped daily. Worked enthusiastically. Sacrificed for discipleship constantly. But the Lord is so good. He opened up the heavens and he rained down revelation on us. And he spoke, you are called to ministry together. Be yoked, be unbreakable, never separate. And this is what we did. We prayed fervently. We read the word diligently. We fellowshiped daily. We worked enthusiastically. We sacrificed for discipleship constantly. In these ways... Nothing changed. We stuck to the method. We had our eyes focused on the throne of the living God. And we stayed in common unity with our brothers. And we said, come hell or high water, you will not move me from this position and this method. It will come, church. Stick to the method. God is wanting to pour out revelation, but he's not going to pour it out if you do not hold to his word, which is your life. Oh, come on now. Abambola, have you been waiting all of this time to start reading your Bible? To start getting filled with the Holy Ghost? To start being holy on Saturday? When did that start for you? Man, oh man. So we don't get to wait until we're ministry partners before we start doing what we're doing. Yeah. Or it's revealed that I'm supposed to partner with this person. See, much, much, much like a single man waiting for the day that he has his bride, there's some preparation, there's some habits, you work your job, you learn to grow in the Lord, and you're faithful in it, and then God adds what you need. See, in this room, there are men and women in here that are married, you have children, and you think you're beyond those days, but the truth is that you're just about to break out of the ground and see the sun, that those seeds sown in faith are about to rise up. It's time that we... Stick to the method and ingrain it deeper in this season for LCM. The more deeply we can ingrain it, the more we will see the harvest of righteousness that is coming. Amen. Say it with me. Bread. Bread. Water. Water. Unity. Unity. Aggression. Aggression. Much like Daniel, we continued with our God-ordained methods. The method never changes regardless of the attitude or attrition rate of believers. It is eternal because it is God's method. In this in mind, as we repeat through these things, how often does your study of the word, your prayer of the spirit, or your unity with your brothers get affected by your circumstances? See, Daniel prayed three times a day long before the king's edict came out, and he stayed with it. We must ingrain those habits because our relationships with the Lord, his word, his spirit, and each other are far too important to abandon when chaos happens. Look, these things guarantee a victory. Yeah. They guarantee that we are victors together, not alone, 
not separated from everybody else. They guarantee a victory together, all of us, to the left and to the right, behind you, in front of you, in this room. They guarantee a victory for the family and the body of God. Look, our pastors, they talk to us about the tribal arrangement. They talk to us about Numbers chapter 2. They talk to us about how this method is dependent on your tribal placement in this tribal arrangement. You would always be able to look toward the tabernacle of God's throne. You'd always be able to get that bread from heaven. You'd always be able to get that water of His Spirit as you looked there. You were also able to look at your placement with the other covenant families so that you could know that you were in right standing. By this means, every family banner was provided with a family method of determining that they were in right order. So take a look at this screen right here. You guys familiar with this? Yes. Yeah, or that screen, either way. Whatever you prefer. <laughs> look, this picture, all kinds of amazing teachings have come out of it. We want to highlight one thing for you tonight. Just one facet of the 70-sided gem. Can anybody answer us when we ask what's in the center of that picture? Tabernacle. You guys agree? If you look at that picture, the tabernacle is in the center, right? Peyton's going to talk to us about that tabernacle. Let's review some old treasure. You remember in Exodus 40, there's seven specific items prescribed by the Lord? Let's walk through them. Ark of the Testimony. There's the table of His presence. The lampstand. The gold altar of incense. Altar of burnt offering. The bronze basin. And the curtain at the entrance. Do you guys still have your Bibles? Are you still in Acts 2? Good. Let's go to verse 42. We're going to show you a pattern. Are you guys surprised that it's seven? Verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Say common. Common. Say common unity. Selling their possessions and good, they gave to anyone as he had need. I want you to remember Exodus 40 as we throw up this chart. If we have it. This is incredible. What we just read in Acts 2 correlates with Exodus 40. When you follow the apostles' teachings, the teachings of this church, you are standing next to the very ark. Of the testimony. When you fellowship, you are joining with his presence. When you are breaking bread, it is the lampstand burning uh, in your presence. Prayer in the altar of incense, rising up before the Lord. Uh, wonders and miraculous signs that sacrifice. Common unity and a washing away of that vanity so you can put your brothers ahead of yourself and sacrifice the barrier of entry to true fellowship. All of us have sacrificed to be here. No one came here because it was convenient or it was conducive to their way of life. No, we sacrificed to be here. We laid down our old life and said we are devoted to common unity. And as we followed this method, God revealed more and more of how we're going to carry out our calling. We have to have common unity and we have to follow His prescribed method because His Word is our what? Life. 
man, they didn't invent something new in Acts 2. They continued with the God-ordained method. Now, if at some point you want to see maybe 13, 14 other examples like this, you should go sit at the shop and bring your own lunch and talk to Bajanek. Occasionally people ask, is everyone called to be in the fivefold ministry? The answer to that question is look back at God's method that has never stopped when everyone had apportioned what they needed. And there is a specific way that we came into the kingdom from Exodus, Genesis, all the way to this point. And consistently, no matter where you're at in history, what part of the Bible you're in or after the scripture is closed, there are certain things that you need. What are they, church? Bread and water. One more time. A little louder. Bread and water. And that should be producing in you unity and aggression. Let's put Proverbs 2.20 on the screen. I am actually going to read it out of the NASB. Thus, you will walk in the ways of good men and keep the paths of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it. And I was looking at the scripture and it's, it's sweet. It looks like one of those things that could be quilted on a pillow. In the NASB, it says you shall. The idea here is that you shall walk in the way of the righteous. You shall walk in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. And what results from it is that the upright remain in the land and, the blameless, and they will be blameless. The Bible presents the life of the righteous as simplistic. See, chaos may be raging around and yet when we choose to walk in his way, life is the result. It creates growth, strength, and blamelessness. See, all too often we complicate things. So how am I going to do this? How am I going to, how am I ever going to get married or, or reach this place in ministry that I think I'm called to be powerful in my witness in the workplace? Walk in the way. If we are willing to make our life, the life that God spoke about with the bread and the water, and it's an undying passion that doesn't yield, that doesn't wane during the week, and we are fighting for unity with God in His Spirit, His will, and with our brothers on the left and right, and just have a Holy Ghost boldness about doing whatever He says, the Bible presents that you will arrive in the land that you're called to, and that He will speak of you as blameless. Do you want to be blameless tonight? Then there are very simple tools that you need. You just need to do it well and consistently and repetitiously. Uh, to Judah's point, I'm going to read a passage from 2 Corinthians 11.3. You can jot that down. I'm going to read it from the NASB, though. Uh, we liked the way that it said in the NASB. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray, catch this, from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. You see, this method is not complicated. Sometimes we make it overcomplicated, but God doesn't. His method has been the same from the beginning, and it's been very simple, and it's been exactly what we're preaching. Don't make it complicated, guys. This is a simple method coming down from heaven, and it's not hard. You devote yourself to the Word of God. You don't let a day go by without putting your head in it at least once. 
You devote yourself to prayer and the presence of God. You don't stop until you feel His presence and you feel Him transforming you. The secret is, is we need it. I know that when I say, I need it, I know that when I say, you need it, I know you believe me. I know you know it. So let's do something about it. Let's go after this method. When we do those things, it's easy to live in, a, in common unity with one another. Amen. It's so easy because we have something to give. We're not coming into the house of the Lord empty-handed. We're coming into the house of the Lord with something to give to our brothers. And it makes everything work. It gives us confidence to go out and to be aggressive with what He's giving us. Because we're unified and we have God's presence in His Word. Who wants that? Let's go after it together, guys. Come on, church, there are things, some things that we must do more than anything else. Like immerse yourself in the word because it is your life. You must drink of the Holy Spirit because it is what makes your heart sweet to the Lord. You must be unified with your brothers. Come on, and we have to be as aggressive as we've ever been as we stand in unity with those brothers. Come on. You guys turn to Psalm 37. We're going to look at a couple passages here. You'll get to stay in one chapter. Say there when you're there. Somebody give me a Pastor Matthew when you're there. Verse 23. If the Lord delights in a man, he makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. He makes his firm uh, he makes his steps firm because with those who delight in him. In a matter of fact, there is no wavering based on circumstances. See, this is such a beautiful passage. It's one of those things that we read, we've heard, and is an old treasure. And God, by the way, says that the old wine is better. Yeah, that's true. The Lord delights in a man's way, and he makes his steps firm. See, we, we all too often forget about this. Man, I will be thinking about the next three days and the time crunch that I have and why I'm doing what I'm doing right now, getting snappy, getting mean, chewing somebody out. And the Lord says that all that I have to do is delight in Him, follow Him, walk in His steps, and it's going to be made firm. See, when we have shaky knees, unstable feet, see, your bread, your spirit, and your unity with men, it lies somewhere in there. Yeah. You either have not been consuming the bread like it's your life, or you've let your spirit become Mara because you've not had it changed by the Spirit of God, or you got an issue with a brother. That generally is it for all of us. Yeah. But when we ingrain those fundamentals of the method, we get to walk with steps that are made firm. We may stumble for a moment, but we do not fall. And the Lord upholds us with His very hand. See, I want the hand of God on my life. And it's really not that complicated. All that you need to do is follow after Him with everything that you have. Be studying, hungry for the Word, filling yourself with the Spirit, and grabbing hold of the people in your left and right, and not just going off on your own. And God Himself says that His hand will be on you tonight. Keep reading in verse 25. I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be blessed. You see, the one thing that I want more than a blessing for myself, more than 
whatever I could say about myself is that my children would be righteous, that my children would be blessed, that my children would live in the house of God. Guys, the Lord always has bread for the righteous. Yes. He always has bread for the righteous children that come from our bodies if we do this. If we adhere to His pattern, our children will be taken care of by God. He promises it here. We're not going to see our children begging for bread in the streets if we give them the bread. If we give them the presence of God. If we transfer the unity that we work under. If we go after it and they see us doing it. If those methods are transferred to our children, then there's nothing that we have to worry about, guys. The Lord's going to do it. Amen. That blessed me so much as we studied this. Look, I might be taken care of. That's one thing. But to know that my children will be taken care of if we adhere to God's method, there's nothing quite like that. Amen. Amen. Back up in the chapter to verse 3 and listen to this. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. We trust, we delight, and we commit, and the result is righteousness and justice shining forth to the whole world. Not only will the Lord provide for your family, but your righteousness is going to shine forth as a banner for the nations to run to and find peace in the presence of God. Come on, we have to delight and commit. We have to consume that bread and that water and watch the work establish in us the things that he purposed from before time for us to accomplish. Man, we need that bright, shining light to be coming out of us. I'll tell you, Matthew 24, the 12th verse, it says, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And then it goes on and it says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. See, holding to the method then makes it go out to the nations. There's a pattern here, a method here that when we get our own lives right and we hold to these things, it will shine out to the rest. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives. Somebody say lives. Lives. Among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. You see, it's one thing to stand up here and preach about this. It's one thing to go out after and have conversations about this. Yes, let's do it. And let's live such good lives among the pagans that the Lord gets glory from our lives. You see, there's only so much that sharp words can do if your life doesn't back up what your words say. Let's make, sh- let's make absolutely sure that we're not just men behind our sharp words and our lives don't look like what they should. Our lives don't look like what they are supposed to. This method is only visible through repetition in our deeds. Come on, church. We know 1 Corinthians 3, that what you build with is going to be tested. Now, what we consume is how we have the strength to go out and accomplish those things. So could it not be said that when your structure is tested, when your household is tested, it it is also revealing the things that you consumed. It is a testament, man, this house 
fell at the smallest trial. It's because they were eating junk. They were not consuming the word of God. They weren't drinking the pure water of the spirit. No, they were, they were taking part in something else. And they didn't get it from this fellowship. What you eat, that Holy Ghost word of God, when you drink of his spirit, it will be tested with fire and it will be shown for what it is. Something heavenly built on this earth. Man, if 1 Corinthians 3 tells us about what we built the structure with, Matthew 7, 24 sure tells us about the foundation. Yeah. See, those who built on the rock versus the sand. And they were tested, and something came about. They either stood firm to the end, like Matthew 24, or they were blown away. How stands your house tonight? How much of the Word of God and the Spirit of God and common unity that produces aggression is the foundation of your home? Is it rock-like, like the Word of God? Or is it sandy, like negotiable convictions? See, when a house that is built on the rock has a storm come, it's an opportunity. You get to prove what you're made of. You get to prove that you were built on something that was heavenly, divine, was from above and not just earthly construction. But when you're built on the sand, it becomes a house of cards. That everything that you raised up to look pretty, look good, all my kids are doing great, we're all going to college, gets blown away in an instant when there's chaos. I want to ask you, as our friends, as our family, how much of your house is actually built on what the Word of God says with daily, ritualistic kind of habits with your children, with your wife? How much of it is built on prayer that... To the point where you feel the Spirit of God pouring through you that changes Mara into life. And just like a pond or anything else, we have a tendency to roll the wrong direction. We have to continually get it right. It's not a once a week kind of thing. It's as much as you can possibly squeeze it into the day. How much of your daily life and habits are according to that simplistic method? Because that really, those basic principles are what will cause us to stand again in that storm. I want you to stand. LCM is going to stand. But every, I want every member of LCM to stand. Yeah. Regardless if you've been here six months or six years, regardless of where you're from, we all have one method, and it's based upon the word, the water, unity, and the aggression that it should produce inside of you. Amen. Yeah, listen to Acts chapter 4, verse 31. There's only one way that the first century church learned to operate, and it was the method of God. It says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. You see, there was unity and aggression in their actions. They were unified and they aggressively preached the word of God. But that came because they were filled with the water of the Spirit. And they had the, word, the very word of God that they had been contemplating and being affected by coming out of their mouths as they preached. <laughs> Come on, I want to read Revelation 1.9 to you says, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and the kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. He was a companion in suffering. Paul didn't or John did not suffer alone. This is the type of unity and aggression that we're talking about. He was there because of the word of God that he was consuming. But even being isolated on an island, he was in the spirit because he was washed in the water. Amen. This should be our attitude. 
And this should be our method that we follow so that we bring about this type of result. We may be isolated, but we're there because of the word. And we're just a companion in the suffering. We're not suffering alone. Come on, do you guys remember Abambola opened up the service? One of the things that he mentioned was John on the island of Patmos. See, there are very simple things that caused this event that he just described to come about. He was a man who was a companion of the believers and so aggressive, so bold about it that he suffered and suffered and suffered to the point where he was imprisoned on Patmos but didn't yield. And what was he doing on that island? He was in the word, seeing the word being written and in the spirit. See, what you need to see visions fulfilled, what you need for the supernatural to be fulfilled is not some new circumstance. It's not some special calling. It is the word of God in your life and the spirit of God to a greater extent. It is a greater union, a greater companion, an aggression about it that says, no, I'm in unity. The Word of God says this. The Spirit says this. It is the method and I'm going to go after it and I'm not going to shrink back. That is what produces a revelation. I want each of you to have the kind of revelation where you see in the Word something coming about in the future. And it can happen for each of you. Listen to Ephesians 4. It was He who gave some to be apostles some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity. Until we all reach unity. Until we all reach unity. Unity. I want to be more unified with you. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, is that I need to be more unified with you. We must be more unified with one another. The places that the Lord's taken us is going to require it. His method must be more firmly established. This is not some brand new crazy revelation. This is a, a stiff reminder for everybody in the room. Don't neglect your word. Don't neglect The Spirit of God. Don't get lazy in your prayer life. Don't get lazy in seeking the Lord. Don't neglect your common unity with your brothers. Especially with the people that the Lord has specifically put in your mind. Do not neglect going after the things that you believe the Lord's saying to you. Even if you get some things wrong, go after what you believe God is saying. Allow yourself to be corrected while you're moving forward, not while you're sitting there. Let's move forward in this, guys. We must have a greater unity together. Amen. Come on. Until we all reach unity. Are you seeing it? It's going to take unity to attain unity. And this method is not passive. I hope that's coming across. This is not a passive method. You're going to have to get up. Force yourself to move, implement this method, and do it in unity so that we all attain unity. You don't know what your fervency to carry this out, what it does for your brother who's struggling. Like we said earlier, it cannot be a 50-50. We, as a body, 100%, have to be moving in a method, consuming the word, drinking the water, and having an aggression that says, I am moving now. I will not wait. I want you to read Revelation 5, 9 with me. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. Because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every 
tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests and to serve our God. And they will reign on the earth. Every tribe, language, people, and nation. Reigning together in the kingdom of God in what? Common unity. Verse 11. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels. Numbering thousands upon thousands. And 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. They encircled the throne. Every tribe, language, people. In their encampments. Under their family banners. Standing before the throne. In unity. A common unity. I hope you see that as a promise tonight. Mm -hmm. Church, do you see that as a promise? Then in unity, until we all reach unity, we have to run to his throne, asking the king of kings, will you move on us again? Will you show us the method? Will you make our feet fitted with readiness, Lord? And as I run with everything that I have, everything, Thing that I have in my being as I run for you, Father God, make my arms strong to carry my brothers with me. I'm not willing to run after the Lord and leave anyone in this room behind. And you shouldn't either. If we want to see what we read in Revelation 5 happen, if we want to stand before our King and say, Look at all of us, we are in one mind, one heart. And we have one goal in mind, to just stand before you, Father, and praise your name. This is a promise. And we are not going to see it if we stay divided, if we stay selfish, if we're not fighting for unity with some aggression. So how's this set with your soul tonight? What must you do to be in better unity? What must you do right now to put your brothers in front of yourself? As the Lord reveals it to you, don't hesitate running to this altar because it takes some aggression. And your willingness to repent To fall on your face before the king of kings. It might be the very thing that lights a spark in your brother's heart. And he says, Lord, I want to be like my brother. And as one man stands and he runs to the father. Not only is he not wanting to leave someone behind. But because we are in a common unity. We say, I will not let him stand alone. So whether you're leading the pack. Or you're someone who's watching a leader strive for the Lord. You have to be in common unity. That's how there's no superstars in the kingdom. Whether you're the one leading the way. Or the one who's running after your brother so he doesn't stand alone. All amazing godly things. So who will you be tonight? 
Are you going to be the one that says, I'm going to run and set an example? Lord, give me the strength to reach back and pull them with me. Or the one who sees someone charging after the presence of God and says, Father God, give me the strength to catch them that they don't stand alone. Come on, I want you to stand to your feet, church. These things are right in front of you. And as we move forward to the throne, as we move forward to his presence, let's do it in common unity. Brothers, we're going to read you something that is a prophecy to our church. But I want to tell you up front, some of you have used this being complicated as an excuse that I love dearly. But you have let it be so overwhelming in your life that you have used it as an excuse not even to try. But the Lord is telling you that He will lead you in the way everlasting. That He is able to help you reach it. That He's able to make you succeed. Some have used it as something to create despair and you've stalled where you're at in your growth in the kingdom. You have grown for years and then stopped where you're at for months. In this moment, the God of all creation is telling you that now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it. It is to us so we may obey it. The word is very near you today, church. It is near you tonight. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart so you may obey it. See, I set before you life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord God and walk in His ways and keep His commands. Then it says that you will be increased. You will live in the land and you will possess what you are called to possess. In this moment, as we are sitting at the altar, it's time to throw away every excuse that has barred you, every fearful thought that has kept you, that when you stand to your feet, that when you walk out of this room, you say, the Lord is near me. His word is near me. His spirit is in me. And I can have it. And then we are going to stand and worship like the victorious sons that we are called to. We're going to unify together. And then we are going to be so aggressive and bold about what God has called us to do in this room. Pray with us. Mighty King, Jesus, we worship you. Lord, we say thank you for not putting it outside of our reach. Father, we say we see it and we are going to run after it. Mighty God, will you let your spirit fill this room? Lord, that fear would be cast out of here. Lord, that self-doubt would be replaced with confidence in your word, would be replaced with boldness for the things that you've called us to. Holy Spirit, will you breathe on us in this place?